You may be seated. Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. This morning we're going to speak about our personal fellowship with God and that it is a very real thing that we have fellowship with God. And we, we started this on Wednesday night and it was so good. And, and then this morning, and I think it, it'll relate to you and you will understand, be inspired, encouraged, affected by it. I love it when we go to church and we take something home with us. How about that? I love it when we have a connection with God in our personal life and then we have a connection with each other and the pulpit. Like the pulpit is ordained of God that this would be a place where we would hear the word and it would build us up and speak to our hearts. So we're excited about that. Turn to Hebrews 10, and I want to explain something simple here. Verse 19, having therefore boldness, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. What is the holiest? Enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Well, that is the holy place where God is. That's in heaven. But this is written so that we have a model. We, we read our Bible. We read Le, the book of Leviticus. We read Exodus. We see a tabernacle that was a pattern for us so that we could understand what it means to come before God. So we see that pattern in our Old Testament and how Jesus, when he came, didn't go into the pattern. When I say pattern, I mean, uh, have you ever seen the little toy soldiers, G.I. Joes, Barbie dolls, little cars, little plastic hot dogs? little barbecues, you've seen the models of life, right? You're like a baby doll, a baby. You, you see a model, but it is not the reality. It's a model. Model car, a little toy car, airplane, and so on. So God taught us by building a model for us in the wilderness. When the Jews came out of Egypt, he built a model. It was called the tabernacle. And I want to say a couple of things about it. But before we do, I want you to read this. We have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest, that's Christ over the house of God. Let us draw near, verse 22, let's draw near with a true heart 
We're drawn near to where, where or what? Drawn near to God. We are in the presence of God. Even as we sit here in Baltimore, in this location, we are at the same time in the presence of God. In that we are seated with him in heavenly places. And, and we read that in the book of Ephesians. So we are in two realities. We are in Baltimore, and there we can call the outside life, the world that is out, the world that we are living in. And then there is the inside life, where we are literally in the very presence of God by the Spirit of God. We are in fellowship with God. We have access to God. When we are born again, God is our Father. We are members of the family. And we have the source of our life is God himself. God, our life comes from God. It is spiritual life. It is, it is uh, a gift. We, we would not have it. By the way, a lot of people do have, they have, they have in, in the world, we call it the world, the world, well, I'll write it down here, the world is a, a common word in the writings of, of John, the cosmos. It says the world is in darkness, spiritual darkness. World did not, did not know Christ. The world did not know him, see him, understand him. The world did not, and it never will. The world is not changing in a spiritual way. It is in, under the God of this world. By the way, that is a small g, the God of this world. It is 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Ephesians 2.3. The God of this world. It's amazing. It's a demonic God. It's the devil. And it is in darkness. So Jesus comes again. If he came again, like he came the first time, we would crucify him again. The world would. The world does not know him. Uh, so in a similar way, we are in a world where there is peace, but the peace that is of this world is not the peace that is from God. Let me write down here, capital you know, big word, peace. This is God. He is actually called the Prince of Peace. But in the world, there is peace, but it is circumstantial. It changes. There you have peace in life, and then you don't have peace. The same with love. In the world, world there is love, L-O-V-E. And then, the, then uh, it is miserable love. Yeah, there are. Jonathan Edwards wrote a preached a sermon. Five reasons why the love of this world is miserable, and one of them was you can only, when you love, you are loving a person. But if the person is unsatisfied with the love, they're unsatisfied with the love, then that means that my love is not enough. So I have love, but it's miserable. Or my child, I love my child, but my child is not happy. So that makes, my that makes me unhappy. Very interesting message. I don't, I, I, I don't want to speak about that this morning, but I want to make a point. 
This world has peace, but it's not like God. It has love, but it is not like God. God is love. But man without God has love, but it's not enough. And he, he struggles with it. He has struggles in the world. The world will not make you happy. The world will not satisfy you. You need something more. We are gathered here this morning so that we could hear a message and I could tell you how you can find satisfaction, how you can find God, how you can fellowship with God and find another kind of peace. Isn't that good? Is you turn to your neighbor and just say, is that why you came to church today? They hear that message? Is that why you're here? Now let's turn to the second text. We got three of them. It's 2 Kings 4. And this is... This is about... This is a story. It would take a little time to read the story. Maybe some of you know it. And it's about Elijah, Elijah and Gehazi and a dead boy. A boy has died. Boy was kind of special because Elijah had given a prophecy to the mother. She couldn't have children, but he said, in a year's time, you'll have a son, and it happened. Later, as the son grew up, the son had a headache in the field, maybe an aneurysm, a brain aneurysm, something happened and he died. The boy is dead. So Elijah sends Gehazi, and this is his name here, Gehazi. He was a servant for Elijah. And he gave him his staff so to lay the staff on the boy and raise him from the dead, but it doesn't work. Chapter 4, verse 31. And Gehazi passed on before them, laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. Gehazi went ahead of Elijah as he was instructed, with the staff on the boy, and it doesn't work. He's, he's gone. Because Elijah had put him in his bed, put him in the house. Well, well, there are two stories. Maybe I'm confusing the two. But in any case, this is what happened, that Gehazi couldn't raise him from the dead. He couldn't do it. It didn't happen. In our message this morning, I want to talk to you and teach you how you have power with God. You have power with God because Christ is in you. You have power with God because you have the Spirit of God in you. You have power with God because you have a fellowship with God. But there are many Christians like Gehazi who might go through the motions, but there has to be something deeper that's going on in our hearts and in our lives. So, verse 32. When Elijah was come into the house, behold, the child was dead. 
and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. It means he, he went into the room and he shut the door. He went into the room and the door was like, it was just he, he and God in that room with the dead boy. But Elijah, he kind of, he speaks of something more that you and I have in our lives and in our hearts and what Gehazi has. Elijah has a walk with God, and so do you. Elijah knows God, fellowships with God, has communion with God. And so when he shuts the door, he's looking to God. Gehazi wasn't. Gehazi went in there and did his duty, but where was his heart? Where was the communion? Where was the fellowship with God? Did he even look to God? Did he even pray to God? I mean, what was it? It was just a, a formality or a routine or something he was told to do, but without heart. But when Christ came into the world, he came to give you a new heart, a heart that hears God, a heart that has fellowship with God, a pure heart. A Holy Spirit came into our life to give us a holy life, which I want to talk about in a minute. But I want to use a story to illustrate something. Look at verse 33. Uh, I mean, 34. He went up, lay upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands. He stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Um, I guess we get to memorize, like, let's see, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. Let's see, say it with me just so I, I get it. Mouth to mouth, go ahead. Mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child. Let's see, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. What does it mean? You know, what does it mean? Connection, doesn't it? It's a connection. But the child is dead. But Elijah is alive. How did Elijah become alive? By being with God. Because God is not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. I am the way, the truth, the life, Christ said. How many times did Christ raise the dead? I believe three times in our Gospels. When, when you touched him, you touched life. You touched God. As I said in the beginning, you touch real peace. Peace, there is no catch no hitch, there's no uh, condition, peace from God, love, love, love. Well, my child isn't happy. Yeah, but it doesn't change my love. Yeah, my girlfriend dropped me. Yeah, but it doesn't change my love. 
Yeah, I don't like my job anymore. I used to love my job. I don't love my job. I, my love changed. My job changed and so on. Yeah, but we're not talking about the world. We're talking about entering in. Here's the third point of our message. Entering in and having fellowship with the holy God. This is where your power comes from. Entering into the tabernacle and having fellowship with the holy God. Because in the story here, verse 35, then he returned, walked in the house to and fro, went up, stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. That's the mother. So he called her. And he said, take your son. Remember, look at the story. He didn't call Gehazi and say, shame on you. You couldn't do it. I did it. Shame on you. Who are you anyway? You, you don't have any power. I have the power. He didn't say that. He just said, call the mother. Here's your son. Because this is a different life. You don't blame people. You're not here to judge people. You're, you and I, we, we, are not, we are not arrogant. If we have something given to us from God in fellowship with God, it's by grace. It's a gift of God. We have the gift of grace. We have something from the Lord. That's the grace of God. We don't arm ourselves to like beat up people. We are servants of God. We lay down our lives for the brethren. We care about the weak or the unbelieving or the fearful. We have a ministry. How did you get the ministry? The ministry came from being with God in the tabernacle. Okay, so now let's go to Psalm 100. And this is coming from our Wednesday night service. Some of you were not here Wednesday night, but this is what we said. I don't want to lose you. And this is, I don't want the message to be long, but you got to follow it with me. We're talking about your life and having a fellowship with God that changes your life. A fellowship with God where God is real for you and helps you and ministers to you and builds you up. I love it that our, our life with the living God changes our life, affects our lives, helps us in life, leads us in life. So Wednesday night, we spoke about prayer and coming to God, walking through the tabernacle. That's what it was said, we said praying through the tabernacle. <laughs> I gotta stop for a minute. Because I'm afraid I'm gonna lose you. There's so much to say. Lord help us, Jesus. Okay. The Jews, there's three million Jews come out of Egypt. 
And the Lord, the first thing he does with them, he brings them to Mount Sinai, and he has Moses go up on the mountain to get a, a pattern or a blueprint for this model temple that's to be used in the wilderness where people could meet God, people could learn about God, people could realize God is not like a pagan God. You can just walk in and make, make an offering and no, this is serious, this is God, the real God, not a pagan God, not a temple uh, made by hands of people uh, with sacrifices, flowers, and food, and maybe in our culture we could just say uh, things about God, you know, yeah, I believe in God, the guy upstairs, or yeah, God, I'm afraid of him, I, I stay away from God, I don't talk about God, I don't want anything to do with any religion, I'm good, I'm good, I'm fine, you know, just, you know, I have my sus suspicions, superstitions, philosophy, ideas, and so on. I just live my life. And this is how people live. But the Lord, when he, when he brought the Jewish people out of Egypt, he brought them so they could be a holy people. A holy people, I write down the word here. Holy, separated, set apart, different marked, kind of somehow like special, different, they're marked. They, they have a different way, they are different. You cannot just come to God, like just because you, you have to come to God, God's way, his way, come to God. So he had them make, there's three million, that's the size I write it's 25 miles in diameter, the camp of 3 million people, which is from here to Bel Air, Maryland. And if you fill this whole area between him and Bel Air, Maryland with 3 million people, that was the size of the camp. So how big would the worship center be if you had 3 million people? This is how big it was. It was 45 feet long and... 15 feet wide, and it was in two compartments, so it's relatively small. And the courtyard was 150 feet long and 75 feet wide. This was the courtyard. That's the size. And you would go there Hardly, it was just a small area in such a big place. And that's where God would meet the people. So, our point here is, the Lord is saying, if you come to me, you can't, you're not fooling around. I'm a holy God. And it's a real thing. It's really, I am God. Not some, like God, this ancient story about a Caesar in the Roman Empire who was a pagan, got mad at Jupiter, so he ordered his troops to fire arrows into the sky at Jupiter. 
not the planet, but the god, Jupiter. And it was ridiculous, because the arrows just fall back down, right? But the point is, people are like that. People get angry at God, and they just think he's a, a, just something, you know, like them. But God is saying, no, I, you can't just come to me like just that. Like, Jesus came so that he would become like us and make us like him. He came so that we would be judged he was crucified, raised from the dead. We were raised with him, and we are made a new creation. God did not take our old man, the old sin nature, and improve it. He crucified it. We died with him. When we come into fellowship with God, it is like that. It is... Uh, a, a fellowship where we say to God, you can search my heart. I am coming to you by faith and search me and see if there's any evil way in me because I am wrong and you are right. Very fundamental teaching in our understanding of God. I am wrong and you are right. Another way of saying it, Jesus lived the life I should have lived, and I didn't live the life that he lived, and he died the death I should have died, and I didn't die the death that he died. What does it mean? He exchanged his holy life for my sinful life. And when he died, I died with him. When he was raised, I was raised with him a new creation. So we have access with boldness into this place called the holy place, holiest of holies. That's already happened. It already happened to us. We are born again. We've been brought into the presence of God. It already happened. How did it happen? Jesus did it. Christ did it. Christ brought us into the very presence of God, and the presence of God is in us. We are God's anointed. We have fellowship with God our Father. We are indwelt by his Spirit. We have his mind. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have his mind. I am crucified with Christ, but I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So what's the diagram about? It's to teach us the model of what it is when we come before him. Now, there's a couple of phases here. This is simple. I, the, the, the picture, I think I'll just do a new one here. Here is the, um, the Holy of Holies. This is the holy place. This is the courtyard, and I like the idea uh, before I get to the courtyard, I have an attitude 
And I, we say, when we approach God in prayer, I want to come to God with an attitude. It happened to me yesterday. I, I was with, the, with people for a good part of the day. Then when I thought about going home and being by myself, I was excited about it. But it was more how I can be with God by myself. I can enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. I kind of I got excited about it. I did. I can put my heart and mind, I can come before God. Before I got home, and it's not a geographical thing about being home or being in a car or in a parking lot or something. It's about how you and I have access to God in fellowship. It's a beautiful thing. So this psalm will take us through, and we'll look at verse 1 and make a few comments. Verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. So we have joy. We have the word noise. It doesn't say, uh, um, um, you know, like a joyful voice. It says a joyful noise. I, it's in the King James. I should study it out. But joyful noise. You know, you don't have to be a professional to come to God. Just make some joyful noise. That's enough. Serve the Lord with gladness, verse 2. Come before his presence with singing. So you have gladness, you have joy, and you have gladness, you have singing. There is a deep sense of spiritual joy from the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your life. You might say, my life is miserable. Many people could say that. I think they could say it. But that's because on the outside of the tabernacle, you have the world's peace, and it's not very good, and you have the world's love, and that's also deficient. But what if I have tasted the love that never fails, the love of the Trinity, the love of fellowship with the living God, uh, love God's heart, God's mind. I remember it. I get excited about it inside in my heart. I can have fellowship with a living God. So that's how, how the psalm goes here. Verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Let's put here, he is God. Big word. Really big word. Let's be real humble before God. He made the ocean and everything in it, the dirt, the ground, the sky. The clouds. I read, I read, do you know how much the average cloud weighs? You know what a cloud is? It's gas up in the sky, right? 
It's uh, water, water being held up there. Do you know how much an average cloud weighs 11 million pounds? It's just, it's water, right? It's up there held up, it's in the air. God made it. God made the birds, insects, bacteria, all the systems that make work, life work, our kidneys, our eyes, our ears, God. Why, why did he, he's showing us, I am God, I am the creator. I am God, come before me. That's where you say, I want that. I want to go to meet God. And yet it is on the outside, he is not really known. And many times we say to God, you, you make me weary. This is Micah 3, uh, 6, 3, Micah chapter 6, verse 3. God said, you, you have said, yeah, he, God said to the Jewish people, said, wherein have I wearied thee? How have I made you tired? What burden have I put on you? What, where is my, where, where have I burdened you? Where is it that I have judged you? I have saved you. Wherein that I destroy you, I am looking to save you. You are destroying yourselves. You are wearied in your own lies. You have forsaken your own mercy. You don't know me. I am not the God of the dead. I am the God of the living. I am the God that saves and heals and forgives. I am the God of all grace. I am God. You like come to me. And learn of me, I am meek and lowly, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to God. Do you see the problem? People complain about God because they're out here. They're out here. They're wearied in their own lives. Their life is miserable not because of God, but because of themselves. Because of the God of this world. Gehazi doesn't have power. He cannot raise a child. He cannot do it just with a stick. And he could just say, go, go away, complains. It doesn't work. It's no good. It's not. And we, we would say, Gehazi, do you know who God is? Have you met God? Do you know God's mind? Do you know his spirit? Have you had face-to-face, hands-to-hand, mouth-to-mouth, ears-to-ears with God? Have you been with God? Has it been ears to ears with God or ears to ears with the world? Has it been mouth to mouth with God or mouth to mouth with the world? Are you like angry at the world, angry with yourself, angry with your neighbor, angry with your girlfriend, angry with the disease, angry with death, angry with the cemetery, angry with the hospital, the police station, and the prison that you're living in? Are you angry with the whole thing? Yeah, I'm eye to eye with that. So come into this and go with it, what God has said to us. Enter his courts. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is phase number one here is, this is the, the entry. This is the entry right here. And it's two things, thanksgiving and praise. Leave yourself at the cross and come before him with thanksgiving and work on it. 
work on it. Learn to be a thankful person. Don't just do it like, okay, I, I am thankful. Yeah, okay, let me get to go through the list. I am thankful. It's like, and then you just go back to your miserable self. Like, be spirit-filled. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Like, learn to be a thankful person. Learn to process it with thanksgiving. If you're in traffic, be thankful. You're not riding a horse. You're in a car. If you don't have any food, be thankful that you had food yesterday. If you don't have any, well, how's it go? You don't have any shoes? Well, meet the man who doesn't have any feet. I'd be thankful that you got feet. Learn to be thankful. Learn to edify and love. Learn to be thankful. Enter into this tabernacle and come before God with the spirit of thanksgiving because you know that if you left to yourself how critical, how unhappy, and how hard it is like to just get out of ourselves and just thank Jesus that he did it at the cross. Just say, thank you, Jesus, you dealt with me, and I want this fellowship. Now, the second thing in the furniture that goes in here, and I'm going to make this short, but this is the altar. You bring, it's fire. I'll put it here. This is fire. This is an altar where they burn the sacrifices. If you put an animal there, the priest would take, put his hands on the head. You put your hands on to transfer your sins to the animal. It's bloody. The priest kills the animal. Animal bleeds. They cut it in pieces. They put it on the altar. And this is a starting point for entering into the tabernacle. Now, notice I'm not in the tabernacle yet. That's over here, right here. Right here, this is a place of, this is where you find that power. You do, you find the power there. There's three articles of furniture in there, and that's, a, that's another message, but uh, I, I, want, I want it to be clear to you that this is a real thing. That's my main point. We're not making it up. You actually come this way to God. I've been in other, other countries where they have different religions. I've been at temples. I've been to Hindu temples. I've been to Buddhist temples in China. I, I, um, I know about the, uh, paganism a little bit from the first couple hundred years of uh, church history. Uh, in our Old Testament, the paganism, the, the Baal worship, the Canaanite religions, and so on. And all of it is just foolishness in a word. It's just nothing. I mean, it's like this stuff here, right here. It's just these words here. Fertility, peace, love, and there's a weariness there. It doesn't work. It can't change your life. It, it's not nothing. That's why it went out. That's why Christianity grew. That's why in our country we, uh, we became like a Christian country and we had many benefits from it in our civilization, our neighborhoods, our communities, much benefit from revivals and people turning to Christ. But the powers of the world are present and always against it. They don't want you there. They don't want you to find God. 
You can have God all day long, but don't find God. Don't let God be real for you. If God is real to you, then you're going to have a message. If God is real for you, you're going to be excited about it in your heart. And the devil doesn't want that in this world. He wants to shut it down, shut it down. But it, when, when you have it, it's your way of life. So you, after they, they slaughtered the animal and there was a lot of blood, they washed in a, in a bowl. It had different sizes. It you know, later became quite a large, like a pool, a bath for washing the blood off their hands, cleaning up a little bit, and then entering in here. So this is, this is a meaning to it. Let's see, you've got this, this piece, number two. This is three, the word, and then entering in. So you had uh, blood, the water of the word. This is the word, and you're all ready to roll. And this is what happens. You are in the holy place. You, you come in, and you are accepted. And it is like with you and God, it is like eye to eye, ear to ear, hand to hand. You have connection with God. You actually feel it. You actually can sense it. Not all the time we live by faith, but I have to say that the Holy Spirit bears witness to you that you are in fellowship with the living God. This is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this love is different from the world, the world's love. There's peace. Out there, the peace comes and goes. But this peace is the nature of God. And that peace is what rules in your life. So um, Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. The Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures to all generations. I think we have enough challenges in life, doesn't matter who we are, and I would like to hear this message again for myself when I get in trouble or when I have my hard time, my dark moment or an evil day. I want to believe what I'm saying, I know I do. And I know it in a personal way. And it will carry you. It will carry you. And then one day, when the, when in the story of Elijah, when Elijah went in, the, ba the boy is gone. The boy is dead. And Elijah is there walking around thinking about it because he has fellowship with God. And when he lies down on him, and it's, from, it's uh, how does it go, mouth to mouth, and eye to eye and hands to hands, it means something. And maybe we're not dealing with dead people like that, but we're looking at each other this morning. And maybe there's somebody in our midst that is like some, somehow that dead boy. And your life, you have a ministry to them, and you, you don't even know it. But because your life is real with God, then you have an effect on that person. And that person comes alive. And they go home and you say, I had a good time at church. And they say, what happened? You say, I don't know. But I just know Jesus is real. 
I believe that. I was built up. I was edified. I need what there, what's going on there. I need to go to the church. I need to go to the church. That's another message. But that's a good one. I need this fellowship. I need these words. I need these eyes. I need these ears. I need these hands. I, I want to be alive because life is to be lived this way. With Jesus Christ living in us and through us and us being in a fellowship in the body of Christ and living for this purpose. And you have it. Let me finish. I say that one more time. You got it. You got it. It's yours. You know it. You walk with it. And the world around us needs it. And we got to be able to say in a particular moment, hey, 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 no, no, no. Jesus is alive. God is real. God does care about you. You are dead, but wait a minute. We are here. The homeless people, they need help. The drug addicts needs help. The, the divorcee needs help. The single mom needs help. That teenager needs help. I heard they had a great time at Camp Life. I talked to Bolivia on the phone. They just had an amazing time this week in Bolivia. Gary Grunwald coming from many places. Beautiful testimonies. And, and what we're looking for is, and in Europe, um, the, the group that went around a different, what we're listening for is like, come on, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's it, Lord. Thank you. You're in us and with us. And, these people in the world around us in Baltimore City. You put us here. Yeah, help us to touch people. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? You're here this morning and you want Jesus in your life, just say a prayer to him by faith. Come on, you just got to say, Jesus, save me. Say it to God. Come on, just say to Jesus, save me, forgive me. Come into my life, I want you in my life. I've done all kinds of stuff in this world and I'm not satisfied. I need you, Jesus. Satisfy me, Lord, satisfy me, lead me, Lord, show me, Lord, help me, God, fill me with your spirit and show me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Say that prayer, please, in Christ's name. And then tell somebody, maybe at the end of the service, say to somebody down front here, come on down and just say to somebody, I... I accepted Jesus today as my Savior. And then anyone here you want a prayer or you have a need, a word of counsel or a prayer, somebody put their hands on you and pray for you, then come on down front. The pastors will be coming down and we'll close. Amen. <clears throat>